Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday service of FCC. Uh, today is a very special service. It's a Sunday service after Ping Dot yesterday, so we call it the Ping Dot service, and we have a Ping Welcome Home slide. Uh, first, we apologize for the delay uh, in starting the broadcast and starting a service because of some technical issues. So if for those people online, if you suddenly the broadcast gets cut off somehow, please do accept our apologies in advance, but we do hope that uh, this will continue. I mean, this service will uh, continue without any more uh, disruptions. Uh, now, let us just, you know, with all the technical difficulties, it's very, very difficult for me to calm down and just like, you know, take a deep breath, be thankful that we are still here. We can still come together to worship. So indeed, let us prepare our hearts for call to worship. We come today representing all the majesty of creation. Diverse and beautiful, blessed and beloved, all made in the image of the creator of all things. We come today, called to this time and this place, by an infinite God, who hears our cries and responds with love and mercy. We come today, transgender, non-binary, bisexual, lesbian, intersex, gay, queer, ally. We, we come, come today, today knowing you will listen and answer our needs. We come today to deliver our joint prayers of hope. We come today, a people mourning our, still our losses, still recovering from the ravages of the COVID-19 pandemic and the pandemic of racism, violence and hate that has plagued our world for too long. We come today knowing you care for us. We come today knowing that even when others reject us, your arms are open to offer comfort. We come. So let us now join the worship team together for a time of worshipping together. Yes. 
shines forth from your direction and lead us home. Bright lights shine forth from your direction. So Lord, have it all and expand our hearts. Expand our hearts and minds to be wider, to draw our own circles wider, to welcome all in. Lord, shift us into the places where it's uncomfortable for us and welcome, help us to welcome all of your creation, all of your children in. And with this next song, we worship. Draw the circle, draw the circle wide. Draw the circle, draw the circle wide. No one stands alone, we'll stand side by side. Draw the circle, draw the circle wide. Draw the circle, draw the circle, draw the circle wide. Draw the circle, draw the circle wide. No one stands alone, we'll stand side by side. Draw the circle, draw the circle wide. Circle wide, draw it wider still. Let this be our song. No one stands alone, standing side by side. Draw the circle, draw the circle wide. Draw the circle wide. Draw it wider still. Let this be our song. No one stands alone, standing side by side. Draw the circle, draw the circle wide. Draw the circle. Wide, draw the circle, draw 
stands alone, will stand side by side. Draw the circle, draw the circle wide. Draw the circle, draw the circle wide. Draw the circle, draw the circle wide. Please be seated. Now may we quieten our hearts and come to God in corporate prayer. God our creator, our beloved parent, Indeed, we give thanks to you for all that you have given and not given us. That in this broken world, sometimes it is hard for us to feel and see your presence. With the Ukraine and Russia war, where we see many innocent lives lost and families broken up. with the economy going towards a recession and families struggling sometimes to just put food on the table because of the inflation. We look at this world and we wonder when will it become a better place? And then we remember that you call us to be the salt and the light but we often doubt and question ourselves because we ask, what can one grain of salt do? What can one tiny spark of light do? But for those of us who cook, we know that sometimes it's just the extra pinch of salt that will turn the whole dish salty. And sometimes it is the extra spark that can light up the whole world. So as we continue to live in this broken world, may we continue to be the light and the salt that you call us to be. That we are here because we know of your love for us. That though some of us may be rejected because of our sexuality, some of us may be rejected because of our skin colour or how we appear or how we look, some of us may be rejected because of the languages that we speak. Some of us may be rejected because of our economic status. But God, as yesterday's pink dots at Hongning Park shows, it is indeed time for change. And we can be the change that you call us to be. We can be the change that you call us to be in this world. May we not doubt your love, not doubt your strength that you have given us, and really not doubt the faith that we should have in you, that indeed we can be the change that this world needs. 
so that your love may be experienced by all. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen. After the pride, after the fall, the hands of mercy opened wide. After the rain, after the flood, you set your promise in the sky. The God who was and is to
after all you've done, it amazes me. You're still running after us. Good morning. Before we start, will you join me in prayer? God, may the words from my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you. Amen. So today we celebrate Pink Dot Sunday, like what we have done for many, many years, just like in communities all over the world celebrate Pride Sunday after the Pride, you know, the, in, during the Pride weekend, we celebrate it as Pink Dot Sunday, you know, in our context. And coincidentally, today is Father's Day. And to all the fathers in the midst, happy Father's Day. And I want to first start off to recognize that some of you may be in a very complex space because Father's Day, God, you may not be out. You may not be accepted fully by your family. And I want to say, we are here for you. We may not have the solutions. We may not have the ability to change your situation. But we are here for you. Last uh, Thursday, I watched the opening um, of um, the Wild Rice play, Straight Acting, by Thomas Lim. And it made me laugh, but it also made me tear. It was a rather moving and funny play, and those of you who have not watched it yet or haven't got tickets, please go and do that. Uh, I think that it was a powerful um, storytelling and of our stories in some ways. It reminded me of the complexities of relationships that many LGBTQ folks have with our families. So even as we celebrate Pink Dot Sunday, we recognize that our celebration is not complete. And while this is a special service, we are also in the midst of our sermon arc speaking differently. And we, when we talk about speaking differently, we are also implicitly talking about listening differently. Today, we want to talk about inclusion and why inclusion is core to our faith. And inclusion isn't just accepting one part of you and rejecting another part. We cannot cut ourselves up into parts and throw away some pieces and keep the rest. The song, Draw the Circle Wide, that we sang earlier, Maybe some of you are not familiar because not many of you were singing or it wasn't very loud. I hope that when we close the service, you will really sing it with gusto. I first heard this song when I was in Jakarta Theological Seminary for their LGBT week. 
um, I was there with Reverend Yap, and it was a powerful um, experience because it's a seminary, and the oldest Christian seminary in, in Indonesia, they are established. And that year when I went there, you know, none of the students were out, right? They organized this to, to celebrate and include LGBTQ people and to have dialogue and to learn. And that was 2012, 10 years ago. And we keep going back and we actually went to organize with, with Jakarta Theological Seminary hosting us, Amplify Conference. And then, you know, we, we are going to reenact one of the things that we did there um, at the end of the service. I'm sorry, those of you on, online won't be able to participate, but we drew a circle using LED lights and all of us, part of it is that we sang. We repeated that again in 2018 when we went to Taipei for the Amplified Conference that year. Drawing the circle wide is about inclusion and it is about God's love that is expansive and infinite. So, bring back to today's lectionary. And today's lectionary in Luke is a familiar one. And I'll read uh, for you uh, from uh, Luke chapter 8, verses 26 to 39. Then they arrived at the county of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. As he stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he did not live in a house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded an unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times he had seized him, and he was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now there was at the hillside a large herd of swine was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these, so he gave them permission. Then the demons came out the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swineherd saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told him how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. For many LGBT folks who have personally experienced exorcism attempts, this passage may be triggering to you. 
For those who may not have experienced that, but have been accused of hating God, of being an agent of the devil, or been told that we need to be healed of our sexuality, this too is not an easy passage to hear. And then I want to invite you to hear this story in a different way. What if the man who had demons in him didn't represent LGBTQ people? What if the demons were ignorance, homophobia, transphobia, xenophobia, and the people who had demons in them are the ones who exclude LGBTQ people instead? Or what if the demons that haunt us are fear and internalized self-hatred? I want you to think a little bit about that. What if Jesus healed us not by making LGBTQ people straight, but healing us of our shame, of our fears, and our internalized self-hate. You know, what do you find surprising about this story? The odd thing for me, a few things pop out, right? First is, uh, who are the ones who are impacted? The swine herds. They lost the whole flock of swine. You know, the pigs all died, right? You know, jumping into the, the lake. They had economic loss. And hold that thought there. And the other one is that, you know, when the people came out to see what happened and saw this man healed and in his right mind and saw Jesus, they were afraid. Shouldn't they be rejoicing that this person has been healed? And then what happens next is even worse. They ask Jesus to leave. They didn't ask the man to leave, they asked Jesus to. This is what's so scary about liberation and healing and the power of love. People will be so afraid of change that they will chase Jesus away. And that is a story for many of us. Once we have reconciled with ourselves, once we claim, we know deep in our being the depths of who we are, that we are loved by God as we are, that is frightening to people. Love, inclusion, Welcome, and this I mean radical welcome. It's not just, I welcome you, but you need to um, change to continue being with us. You need to leave your sexuality behind. You need to abstain. That radical inclusion about embracing you as who God created you to be, as you as a whole person, Love, inclusion, welcome, healing can be frightening. And it can be frightening even for us. Us because we have to leave behind what we have been taught for a long time. And it is also frightening for those who benefit from oppressing and excluding other people. And also to those people who are happy to talk about other people's sins so that they don't have to think 
or reflect on their own. You know, my own faith journey isn't about dealing with other people's sins and telling people, you did this, you did this, you did this. Of course, there are times that I call people out when they have done something wrong. But my faith journey is not about that. My faith journey is about dealing with my own sins. Calling people out is not about my, it's not a faith journey. It's about speaking up. It's about calling out what's right and what's wrong. But my faith journey is focused on my own journey, finding out what's God's will for me. What is wrong with my life? What sins do I need to reflect on and repent of? Not about other people. So today, as part of our service, we have invited our friends Julia Maywald and Tom Donlier to share their experiences and their journey towards inclusion and their experiences here at FCC. So I'd like to invite them to come up and share. And it can be rather, you know, you know are you anxious? Just, just, a little just a little bit. Just a little bit. Well, so am I. I have my water bottle here just in case my, my mouth goes dry. Thank you for uh, being willing to share your stories uh, because um, Pauline and I have heard your stories. Um, and, you know, some of you may know Julia and Tom um, who have been attending uh, FCC for the past two years plus uh, here in Singapore. But, um, and those folks from Sprout will know them. Uh, Sprout 3, um, but I think it will be safe to assume that most of you don't. So I want to ask both of you to introduce uh, yourselves and share a little bit about your faith journeys. Yeah, Julia? Well, thank you, Miak. Um, and thank you for inviting us. I mean, it's really an honor uh, to be here and to be here with all of you. Um, so the first thing that... I would say describes me, uh, and I don't usually lead with this, but it's, I think, important for you to know. So I, can, I am a third culture kid. So what that means, um, so my father worked as a geophysicist in oil and gas, and I lived in other countries, not my own country, up until about age of 17. So I actually grew up mostly in Indonesia, in Sumatra, and in Jakarta. Um, yay, Robert. Um, <laughs> and uh, as well as other um, oil countries. Um, Tom and I met in 1991 when we were both spending a year in a Roman Catholic uh, young adult faith formation and leadership program in Seattle. Um, we have two young adult children, Leo and Siri, and some of you may have met them when they were here at Christmas. Um, and we've li lived in Singapore for about two years. And it's really been a gift for me to be here, um, even during COVID and how crazy that was, just to be returning to um, a part of the world that, I, that is so near and dear to me. Um, and sadly, we're re relocating, um, actually, in about a month. And we are moving to Madrid. So we'll be seeing some of you in Spain, um, I imagine, in the next couple of years. Great. Um, did oh, you want to do sorry. your faith? Yeah. Sure, yeah, I just realized. Um, my faith story. <laughs> Should we talk about my faith story? Um, 
So I, I was telling, when we were talking about this, um, I was telling Miak, I recently listened to this podcast, um, and actually uh, all of us were sharing about this, um, of sociologist Brene Brown, and um, she was interviewing Father Richard Rohr, who is a Franciscan priest. And they were talking about how people's faith lives have developed. Um, and Father Richard said, you know, for a lot of people, their, what they, their religion or their faith is much like it was when they were children. And it hasn't evolved very much beyond that. And it made me think about my own faith journey. Um, and really, you know, children are taught in very simple terms. Um, it's hard to be taught as a young person um, when you're, you're just trying to grapple with Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, you know, how does this all work together? Um, so the nuance of critical thinking is not part of their world. And um, so for me, I was raised as a Lutheran, um, and my own faith is strongly influenced by my mother, Dorothy, and my paternal grandmother, Hilda. And um, they really had a more sort of black and white dogmatic faith practice. Um, Tom and I joke about it's the dark Lutheranism. Um, and, um, and so that really strongly influenced me. They sort of, you know, it was a really strong, strict moral code. And there wasn't a lot of room for joy. On the other hand, my father was a free thinker and had a high level of intellectual curiosity. And this really matched his penchant for the career he chose and living in other countries and having grand adventures. But for me, it was much easier to understand, here are the rules, this is what you should follow, than this more sort of expansive, creative way of thinking of the world that was my father's. And it, my own um, faith evolved and matured when I got into college um, in university. And I took um, a few philosophy and theology courses, actually. Um, I did go to a, a Lutheran school. Um, and two of the courses I took strongly influenced me. Um, one was called The Problem of Antisemitism. And it was co-taught by a Jewish and a Christian theologians. And the other one was called Liberation Theology. And that was taught by a feminist theologian in Mexico City. And um, if you're not familiar with liberation theology, it's really grounded in um, interpreting the gospel of Jesus um, in favor of the poor and the oppressed and walking in those shoes. And these two courses really laid the foundation for my Christian faith and what it is today. I want to inject, interject here a little bit because, um, you know, for most of us, right, uh, uh, in Singapore, we will not be exposed to liberation theology and all these things. And it is only when we are, uh, have to come to wrestle with something, especially for many of us here in FTC, wrestling with our sexual orientation or gender identity, that we start to wrap our minds to, to start expanding, to grow out of the faith that we've been taught as children, right? Um, and this is something to think about because our faith needs to grow. You know, when we were a child, we saw as a child, but we are no longer children. Yeah, yeah. Tom. Great. Um, for, first off, I'm also appreciative to be here. And as an ally, I'm an Im imperfect ally. 
And so constantly making mistakes and learning, and hopefully today will be more of the former. Um, first thing you need to know about me is that I'm a relatively simple person from a simple background. Uh, show of hands, how many people have seen Stranger Things, the series on Netflix? Okay. So <laughs> if you've seen it, those children riding bicycles around small town America in the late mid late 70s, early 80s, that was me. I, I didn't fight the monsters or the Russians, but that was the simple life that I grew up. Um, and small town, 700 people. My hometown was surrounded by cornfields, literally. Um, we had to really work to find interesting things to do. I, I always knew that there was life beyond my small town, and I expected that if I ever got out, I would find it. Um, well, a different way of coming out. Um, but just getting out into the world. And in essence, um, I lived in Chicago after I went to university for a couple of years. And then Julia and I lived in Seattle for about 30 years mm. um, before coming here. So unlike Julia growing up around the world, this is my first overseas posting. Um, and, and my faith story, so large family, there were eight children in my family and we, we were raised Roman Catholic. Um, and it was the church that we grew up in was much less about dogma and much more about community and taking care of one another. And so we, I honestly never knew the basic tenets of Catholicism until we did this service program in Seattle. And there are a couple things I'm like, oh man, I cannot represent this. Um, I, I had at that point thought about becoming a, a Roman Catholic priest. On our first tennis outing, Julia told me later that she knew I liked women too much to ever become a Catholic <laughs> priest. Um, but, but ultimately, it was, it was about the institutional homophobia in the, Catholic, the Roman Catholic Church and the inability for women to be treated on peer with men in, in the ministry that made me really double take a double take around my own personal involvement. Um, and, and shortly thereafter, and, and I was consulting for spiritual direction with a gay man who was a Catholic priest, and he was the head of the AIDS ministry in Seattle. Um, he was eventually defrocked because he was very open about his relationship. Um, but he advised me, he's like, every institution has its manure, um, and you have to choose what manure you want to smell. Um, <laughs> this is Tom's sanitized version. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, so eventually I, I joined the Lutheran church that Julia had already joined and, and found a community that was progressive and welcoming and in the traditionally um, gay and lesbian neighborhood in, in Seattle. Um, so that was, that was kind of how we met in my coming of age to a, a more open-minded approach to Christianity. And I want to, you know, um, um, draw out some things because this wasn't, um, you know, uh, something that I scripted, right, or, or thought about. But um, notice Tom's faith journey as well, right? And, and that he was more open because he started from a place that was less dogmatic. Even though, even though it was a Roman Catholic parish, they started off very focused on community rather than dogma. And that shaped, I think, a large way of your beliefs and your openness as well, and that's something that we need to process because where you, are, the community that you are with, can help shape you, and that's what we need to think about. Yeah. So, well, oh, yeah, we'll, I have a short story about my bachelor party. Um, 
which is also PG rated. Uh, <laughs> but of the six men that were on, the, on my bachelor party in 1995, don't tell us how many of you weren't born yet in 1995, um, four of them, uh, four of my friends were gay. And initially the evening started in Seattle with them kind of doing what they thought the straight guys might like, like going to a brewery. And eventually we were like, well, which, what would be more fun? So we went to a gay bar and went dancing for most of the night in Capitol Hill, which is the, the area where our, our church is. And because I was comfortable with myself, I was comfortable with our friendship, it just felt natural um, to just be out and having fun. So I mean, that is kind of the, the experience being in Seattle at that time and now seeing the experience of our children growing up in Seattle, another generation, like so much more open-minded, so open to a non-binary way of thinking, um, and, and the struggles that we have with pronouns, our, our kids don't, don't have them. So. Yeah. So I want to ask, like, why are you at FCC? You know, your story, you know, like, because I think it will shed some light to, because sometimes we need people from the outside to help us see who we are? Well, th that's a, a great question. And one thing I just want to um, mention with this whole idea of you know, place and context and your community and how that shapes and informs you. I mean, even though I lived in so many different countries growing up and you would think, oh yeah, I'd be really, really open-minded. Um, I didn't have the same context that Tom did in terms of this really open, and I would say non-judgmental family. And so the first time I ever met them and all of his you know, eight siblings, um, and they just welcomed me with open arms and it was amazing. And it feels very much like um, I feel here, to be honest, so. Um, and just like here, they like Julia better than me. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, so I have told a couple of friends here that I go to this church. Um, one is American, one is Singaporean, actually. And the American friend, um, I think she was genuinely puzzled as to why I would choose to come here and not to some other church where people look like me or were like me. Um, and the other person um, really was more curious, Singaporean, um, acquaintance was curious, you know, how do you square your Christianity with being in a community where it's open to LGBTQIQ+. Um, and at this point, I typically will, like, size up whoever I'm talking to and think, how long do you have? Um, <laughs> and do I really want to share this? But I will share this because there's a really important... Um, personal backstory, um, and it, does, it goes way back to the early 1970s, and again, you know, no judgment here on age, but I was about four or five, um, and this is my earliest memory of me um, remembering my sister Ruth not being your typical girl. Um, Ruth climbed trees. She um, played ball. She preferred shorts and jeans um, to dresses. And she was known as a tomboy. And when she was about 12, I remember her writing love poems to her friend Mary. 
And somebody, one of our friends, um, used the term les to describe Ruth. And I didn't know what that meant. And it didn't sound good. And I was embarrassed about it. Um, when I was 20, Ruth came out to me. And this was 1986. And this was really when on the rise of the AIDS epidemic. And there was nobody I could think of at my university that was out of the closet. Um, but in all of those instances of Ruth is different, Ruth likes girls, it all made sense. And it was really a freeing moment for both of us. Um, and these classes that I was taking that were really challenging me to walk in the shoes of the other, um, that's how I squared my, my faith with who she was and to be open and accepting. Um, and that was, that was really kind of, it, it, it continued to evolve and has continued to evolve over the years, but, um, but that's what made sense to me. Oh, I guess I'm next. Um, how I found FCC, so when I landed in Singapore, the first thing I Googled was open and affirming church. There was only one return on Google, <laughs> that is this church. Um, it, it amazed me as an American where basically a pride flag is required on every, every Christian congregation in Seattle. It's, it's, it's de facto now um, that there's only one church in a country of about six million people that publicly um, exclaims that it's um, open and affirming. So thank you for finding me on the internet. Um, and and my, the first time I came, I was, I was like, I'm looking at this building. I'm like, there's a church in this building? Like this luxury cars in the first floor. And, and, and I happened to get off, got off the MRT, and there was a, a, a beautiful, striking woman who I found out was later of Caribbean descent, Sharon Fries. If you know Sharon, she was a member here for a long time and is apparently in Germany now. Yep. You may watch this recording on YouTube. Hello, Sharon. Um, she was walking through the parking garage, and I was kind of like, maybe she's going to church too? And so I, I asked her, I said, do you, do, are you happening to go to FCC? And she said, come with me. I will, you know, I will, I will introduce you to some people. I sat next to her. Uh, she took me under her wing, and she gave me some great advice um, as well about how to get engaged here and, and to sit in a different place each Sunday that I came and uh, join, a, join a small group, which we eventually did. Um, and that was also the first time that I experienced Lohe, uh, which is a unique Singaporean tradition. So that was February of, of 2020, before, yeah. before, before lockdown. Be yeah, before lockdown. Yeah. Mm. So um, one of the things that we want to help people think about, and you talked a lot about how the churches are like in Seattle, is, you know, were you involved or witnessed um, your church um, movement towards becoming more inclusive because that that is likely going to happen here not just for fcc but for other churches as well how did it happen what's that story yeah well it's um it goes back quite some time so when i moved to seattle fresh out of college um someone had told me about central lutheran church um, which is located on Capitol Hill in Seattle. It's the most densely populated neighborhood north of San Francisco on the West Coast. Mm. And it's also known as the gay neighborhood. 
And um, so I went. I mean, I was in my early 20s. The pastor and congregation's mission were focused on social justice. All the issues, um, there was an active prison ministry, um, there was an active anti-nuclear proliferation um, task force. Um, they were focused on feeding um, hungry and homeless people in our community. And they were focused on gay rights. So the message was really prophetic in tone. There was a call to action. It was very much about let justice roll. And that really struck home for me. Yeah, and I would add in there, our pastor at the time had been arrested multiple times for civil disobedience, uh, mostly around nuclear proliferation. And his mother. His mother also got arrested with him at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really considered them, I mean, our late pastor, John Nelson, um, as a prophet in his time. Mm. And, and my church shopping just stopped right there. So, um, so it wasn't a surprise that this, and it was a small and still is a small congregation, that in the early 1990s, they decided to embark on a, um, a sexuality study. And this was, there was a term for churches in the Lutheran community that's called reconciled in Christ, and that means open and affirming. And um, the church had a few gay members, and it was painful to think that we couldn't welcome and celebrate our gay siblings fully into the life of the church. So this was all going on around the time when Tom and I were involved in this volunteer program that we mentioned. And it was also going on the very same year that my sister Ruth entered a um, drug addiction rehabilitation program. So in 1992, a few months before, we had a congregational meeting to vote on what is called Reconciled in Christ. Um, Ruth died in a car accident, and she was 28 and I was 25, and my world collapsed. So, um, yeah, do you want me to... I want you to go on. Go with this? Okay. Go with this. <laughs> so I, um, you know, I know that Ruth suffered deeply. Um, she suffered from low self-esteem, from low self-confidence. She was an outsider in a world that just didn't have room to include people who didn't prescribe to what was accepted. That was the norm, right? And I think she had a lot of demons haunting her. Um, and she had, had carried shame and fear, and I think you know the one place where you should be able to be yourself I think she was deeply afraid that she couldn't tell us, her family, who she really was for fear of being um, told to leave or abandoned. And um, so, so during our congregational meeting in which we'd be voting to become reconciled in Christ, the leaders of the congregation asked if anyone wanted to speak, and there were a number of people who spoke during that time. 
Um, but I really felt the power of the Holy Spirit prod me. And in my very, very deep sorrow and pain, um, I just shared that I couldn't imagine being in a place where Ruth didn't get a chance to live out her life fully as her authentic self and who she was meant to be, one free of drugs and one where she could partner with whomever she wanted. And for me, the debate was simply over, you know? This is a no-brainer. We absolutely have to do this. I believe that God created everybody in her image, <laughs> that God's love is wide and abundant and generous, and that God accepts everybody regardless and across a broad rainbow of sexuality. Um, so. Thank you for being so vulnerable and to share <laughs> something that you carry. Um, that pain and that sorrow. Um, but I also see that there's resurrection. Through that pain and sorrow, God led you to speak up so that people hear the story and the pain that many LGBTQ people continue to carry. We continue to be afraid. We continue to um, be afraid whether we will be accepted or not. Um, and we continue to question. So often, whenever we organize talks like the one we had this past Wednesday, people ask, does God love me? And I just want to shout yes at this person. But the reality is that no matter what answer I give, they need to find the answers for themselves and experience it for themselves for transformation to happen. They need to meet Jesus in the communities that embrace and welcome them. Just like how Jesus healed the demoniac. They need to encounter Christ, not just in an answer to a question. I mean, it's so easy to say yes, but I, I always want to tell folks, you know, so what if I say yes? Would you accept that answer? That an my yes isn't enough. You need to feel it. You need to belong to a community and witness it. You need to witness that life and that love from God that's flowing through the people around you. And you move. And I pray that, you know, as we journey on, that will change. Yesterday, and this is not scripted uh, as well, yesterday at Pink Dot, I met my friend. He's straight. He came to Pink Dot because his son asked him whether he can go to Pink Dot. And his son is in secondary school. And his son isn't gay. The reason why his son is going is because he is going with a couple of friends who came out and he wanted to support his friends. I went like, oh my God. When I was in secondary school, I couldn't even admit to myself who I am, much less tell somebody else about that. But here in this generation, there's hope that here, this younger generation, they can come out and be embraced. Of course, I'm just not saying that there's no homophobia, there's no transphobia, and there's no rejection. But there are people around who embrace. And you know what? I think that's because his dad, my friend, is an ally. 
he has LGBTQ friends and he's open to tell his, his two sons, you know, I have LGBTQ friends and it's okay. Modeling love, modeling inclusion is vital. And I have great hope that that will come to pass. Yeah. Can I, can I just add one sure. thing on this? Um, as long as we're going off script and ad living here. But um, I, that whole sense of modeling inclusion and hope, and you know, our children are ages 20 and 23 now, and their perspective and lives are, you know, I mean, I totally feel like an old buddy daddy when I'm around them because I've become that person, but their, their views are so expansive and opening. But I will say, Tom's mother, who's 80 years old, very devout Roman Catholic woman, so welcoming and loving. We have our dear friends, our Paul and Doug in Seattle, um, some of the closest people we, you know, we have in the world. And Tom's mother, Linda, is known for um, knitting Christmas stockings. This is a tradition where you have a stocking that you hang at Christmas time. And if she met any of you, you would get one. Um, <laughs> but in, she knit one for Paul, Doug, and when they adopted Charlotte, their daughter, Charlotte got one too. So, I mean, this just goes to show the power of the Holy Spirit and moving and including, you know, it doesn't matter what age you are. Moving away from dogma and, and, and to what, what, when you know in your heart what love is, then the rules that guide, well, you know, are just rules. And, and you know when to break wider. it. Yeah. And I want to go back to that, um, that story of a church going, you know, voting, because we need to know that it was not easy. So I want to ask you, you know, so what, how did people react to what you said? And for those who had changed their minds, or what or how they changed their minds? Well, I do know that this was not the first time that the church was voting on this. Um, they had tried to do a vote five years prior to that, and they weren't ready. Um, and this was before my time. So while there were more supporters in favor of it, there were others who weren't, and they were concerned it was too divisive. Um, the second time around, I think that we were ready. Um, the time was right. The resolution passed with 83% um, of a positive vote. Um, now, that doesn't mean we did not lose members. Um, there were far more supporters, though. And I, I just think that it was witnessing the community and witnessing the people in our congregation who were LGBTQI plus, sorry, um, I'm gonna get lost there, but um, that it really paved the way to be open and inclusive. Um, one of the most beautiful things that came out of this vote is we wrote an affirmation of welcome statement, and it is grounded in Galatians 3.28, where the Apostle Paul says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free, male and female, and for all are one in Christ Jesus. So, um, 
there's yeah. a little bit more. I'm just going to have you. Yep. Yeah. So for many years, um, our congregation was the only one in our synod, which is the organizing group, like a, a diocese for the Lutheran Church in our area, that was reconciled in Christ. Um, but it was when our friends and members of the church, Stephen and Dis David, decided to get married, and they were very vocal about it, um, that it caused a stir. So our pastor at the time, um, the late John Nelson, was willing to perform the ceremony in the church. Um, several other congregations called for John to be defrocked and he nearly lost his pension over this issue. Um, but many more people outside of our church, um, ministers and lay leaders, uh, stood by our congregation, and it prompted those other churches to go through the same process and become reconciled in Christ. Um, so our, our little church continued to push and in 2005, we sponsored a resolution at our regional assembly of churches to bless same-gender relationships in the church. And it passed. And then four years later, in 2009, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, which is the large, largest synod or um, the denomination. denomination for the Lutheran Church, did the same. And that's something that we want to um, draw upon um, and to remind us, right? It requires courage. There are risks in doing what we do and to taking a stand for anything, not just by LGBTQ rights, but to, uh, when we stand up for social justice, when we stand up for the marginalized. And we need to have faith. We need to have faith to do what we are called to do that is aligned with what we believe God's will is. And that is the importance of who we are when we showed up. When we showed up yesterday at Pink Dot S Community, we had people you know, you know, uh, uh, sent to us uh, when they were at the community tents and they were struggling you know, and, and they talked about faith. And yeah, we show up and we do what God calls us to do. And we don't know what's going to happen next, right? But that is the, the courage that we need to... Uh, to have um, and to look far because it's a long it's for the long haul back to you Tom yeah and and I know we're running a little long so I'll, I'll keep my comments short I think what what's interesting about this period of time is our pastor John Nelson who's been mentioned several times is like a combination of, of Reverend Yap and Myak. he was our he was our active pastor he was a straight man probably about 70 or so years old and he was an imperfect ally. He performed this wedding at the, at the risk of losing his pension. Um, and then every time he met a single straight woman in our congregation, <laughs> he assumed she was a lesbian. Um, and then was shocked later when they showed up with a boyfriend or a, or a husband even. And he was like, wait, I have Betty and Carla and you. And he was, he was a wonderful man, but we all are learning. And he was kind of, again, another generation leading us at that point. Um, so that's just some um, more context for that period of time, how we're all, he was leading by example as FCC is leading by example right now, right here. Thank you. Um, and I think that 
I don't want to go there because, you know, like what we've prepared. Just, yeah. just keep moving. Um, I want to move to, to close, right? Like, what are your hopes, right? Um, you know, and what, what would you like to, or last things that you might want to share with uh, us as a community? I'll, I'll go. Um, well, so, you know, it's so interesting. One of the things that we had talked about was the experience of being the other. And um, and it's as a straight, married, Caucasian um, woman. Middle-aged. <laughs> Middle-aged. Thank you, Tom. Um, <laughs> Woman in America, I rarely experienced for myself being the other. Um, there were a couple of instances, however, in um, my faith journey or churches that I attended where I did experience being the other um, because maybe I didn't follow or was a member of that particular denomination. And so, and the, the most... Um, Vivid or striking example is around the, the, the Eucharist, um, where in the Roman Catholic Church, technically you can't participate in the Eucharist if you're not Catholic. Um, the brand of Lutheranism that I was actually confirmed in by, with a, a Lutheran missionary um, in Jakarta was very, very conservative. And so when I finally was confirmed in the church, I was able to participate in the Eucharist and my parents could not because they weren't. So, um, so I think about being the other and then being here. Okay, I'm the other. Um, and I, I'll tell you, I was a little, I had some trepidation about coming to this church. I really didn't think that we'd find uh, a church in Singapore to attend. And for me, I was completely willing to take a break from church if I could not find one that was open and affirming. I mean, it simply was not going to happen. Um, even though I know that Christianity is widespread here, it just was not going to be a fit for me. And so um, I was surprised and delighted and relieved to find FCC. Um, and at the same time, it's a very different kind of congregation than the one that we're familiar with. Um, but I think it's that, like, opening your heart and opening your mind and being open to the other and being the other that our hearts change. So um, I guess my own um, parting thoughts are to be patient, um, to trust in the power of the Holy Spirit, um, to be gentle with one another, to lean into the full life of this community and all that has to offer, um, to open yourself to be vulnerable, <laughs> and to be cared for by your community. Um, the last time we went to a Sprout meeting, um, one of our Sprout members um, said, I'm not putting my eyes on him right now, but um, he said, oh, we've missed you because we've been traveling. And I'll tell you what, like those, those words, just to feel like I've been missed, boy, that really meant something to me. And so um, 
I guess I never thought that there would come a time where my sister Ruth could be fully embraced in a church or in a community or be out or be who she really meant, was meant to be. Um, but over the course of 30 years in my own lifetime, it happened. And so I think it's that taking the long view and having faith. Um, and those are my parting words to you, my friends. And, and as an imperfect ally, I, I remember distinctly uh, the first time I had a friend come out to me. Um, and at the time, I was a little flippant. I'm like, of course, Paul, you're gay. <laughs> and he, was, he was so downtrodden that I didn't have a more dramatic uh, reaction of like, of course I've known that. Um, but we were such good friends and we had bonded on such a deeper level. And so I've, I've apologized repeatedly for not being a little more, um, I don't know, impacted by that. Um, but it took some courage for him too. So, I mean, I guess that's, that's my um, encouragement is to find situations where you can take a, a bit of a step out of your comfort zone because allies often don't know exactly how to help. Um, and maybe, maybe some coaching later on, it would have been helpful had you changed the subject. It would have been helpful if you'd said to your friend that that was even rem remotely homophobic, um, things like that. So like, we need help too. Um, so find ways to step out of your comfort zone. Thank you. Thank you for both of you sharing so much with us. Yeah, we will miss you when you all, you're here to Spain, yeah. But you are welcome there. Welcome home. Everywhere in the world, right? Bienvenidos a España. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It is my hope and our, our hope that one day that day will come where all people are embraced. And I hope that we are the community where Christ is in our midst, healing us, restoring us. And the thing is that, you know, oftentimes we have this um, almost serendipity because today's luxury passage um, is actually really from Galatians 3. The reading from the epistles is from Galatians 3. Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith will be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came, so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized in Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek, there's no longer slave or free. There's no longer male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. We are heirs to the promise. We hope the LGBTQ folks who are wrestling with their faith come to the knowledge they are all children of God. You are loved, loved beyond measure. You are welcome and you are included here. Last Sunday, as I was coming up to preside over communion, it came to my mind 
that many LGBTQ folks have been denied communion, and this has caused a lot of experience of exclusion. And I want to tell you a story, a story that is connected to our history as FDC. In 1998, in response to the Lambeth Conference that year, that voted on the resolution that rejected homosexual practice as incompatible with scripture, our friends Tak Leong and Ben protested by unfurling a gay pride flag during the liturgy of communion um, at St. Andrew's Cathedral. And he carried, and both of them went up, the rainbow flag to receive the Eucharist. And a card was attached to the flag saying, God loves all bisexual, gay, lesbian, and transgender people too. They were denied communion. And today, when we are celebrating communion, we're going to celebrate it in a different way. Um, some of you might have experienced it before, before COVID especially, that we will invite people to come up and receive communion and then they'll be prayed over by Pauline and myself. Just like how it's done very often in MCC churches and at our Amplify conferences. In particular, I've asked Molly to come up, you know, to lead us and carry the Progress Pride flag when coming up to receive communion. Not yet, not yet. <laughs> but you can show the flag, you can show the flag. Um, and we can show the flag on our, on, on, our, on our live stream. This is a ritual I think that we need to do every year at Pride, uh, at Pink Dot Sunday, to remember. To remember the courage of these two men. You know, imagine this 1998 and in St. Andrew's Cathedral, carrying up a flag to receive communion like a protest, like saying that I am accepted by God too, and who are you to say no? And as the flag comes up, representing all of us, the inclusion, that we will serve communion to all. This is progress. I want to talk about the progress flag because I was, you know, in the early days when it first came out, I just went, wow, they're just adding more and more and more, and more colours to it, right? <laughs> But I actually did some reading about, you know, I was going up to search and to buy the flag for today. Uh, and I wanted to, then I realized that there is some symbolism to this flag. We need to understand, this is now called the Progress Pride flag. And progress means understanding that our liberation is connected to those who are on the margins and oppressed as well. We might suffer from different kinds of oppression and prejudice and discrimination and progress means that we understand the interconnections. You can see the, the transgender colours here as, and brown and black to represent people of colour and they are shaped in an arrow to point towards a movement. This is also a reminder to us as the, LG, no, L, the LGB community that we need to recognise our own participation in discrimination against our transgender siblings and our siblings of colour and minority races. This is about inclusion. This is about drawing the circle wide, wider than we can imagine. 
Um, I actually talked to Ben about this, you know, and he couldn't be here years later, but we are commemorating this, that protest uh, and during communion. And I hope that we will do this every year to remember the courage and to remember inclusion and what it means. For those of you who are online, we are unfortunately unable to show you this while we are doing it. Uh, and we don't want to have you watching 20 or 30 minutes of us coming up to receive communion and be prayed over. Um, we will close off and end the service with the worship song uh, and, the, and, the, and the live stream then. But who we, when we are here, we are going to go through all that and we are going to close the service singing, Draw the Circle Wide. Okay. I hope that that would be a practice that will be what we do as a community, as what, as a representative of who we are called to be. A community of love, of inclusion, that demonstrates God's love for all. Amen. Surprise, it's not communion this time. Uh, today, uh, our service... Uh, Schedule is a bit different because of the special communion that we're going to partake at the end of the service. So we are having the announcement section now. But first, I'd like to thank Tom and Julia for your sharing. For indeed, I think when we are children, our religion is about looking for answers. But I think as we grow older, as our faith evolves, we are talking about asking the questions. So answers are no longer what we look for. And indeed, the world that we live in might not be the perfect world that we hope to live in. But I think every glimpse of change, every glimpse of hope is actually showing us what is actually possible. So do not be uh, beaten down, do not be uh, saddened. But we do know that the world can become a better place uh, with all our effort that we are willing to put into it. So welcome once again to a Sunday service of FCC, where free stands for first realize everyone's equal. We are indeed the only one and inclusive church in Singapore, but hopefully in another 20 or 30 years' time, we, I don't have to say that anymore, because all churches in Singapore should be opening and inclusive. So welcome home for those who are new to FCC, uh, whether you know us or whether you have visited us online or on, on, on site, for first time, second time, ten times, if you still like to know more about us, yeah, feel free to sign up for the form at fcc.la/fcc-welcome, and then someone will reach out to you. And then every Sunday, every last Sunday of the month, we will be having a newcomers meeting where you'll be able to speak to our pastors, speak to some of our members, speak to some of our leaders to find out more about FCC. So this newcomers, this month's newcomers meeting will be on the last Sunday of June, which is. Next Sunday, right? Yeah, next Sunday, I think it's the last Sunday of June already. If you're interested to join, please send an email to info at freecomchurch.org and then someone will reach out to you. Uh, now we come to the giving segment of the service. You may give by various means. First is by pay now to by scanning the two QR codes. If you see, there are actually two QR codes on screen. One is for the general fund, which pays for the salaries of our staff, uh, for the ministries, for the running of this church. And one is for the FCC building fund, which pays for the mortgage of this place. Uh, you may also give by credit card at freecomchurch.give.asia. Please do note that giving by credit card only goes to the general fund, and there's a platform fee of 1.5%. 
uh, which means that whatever you give, 1.5% doesn't come to FCC at all. So as we prepare to give, uh, let us just uh, give thanks and pray. God, indeed, we give thanks to you for you are our wonderful creator. And that we are your beloved children. Regardless of who we are, you accept us as we are, as we are. God, we lift up our givings to you in terms of both financial, in terms of both energy, in terms of both effort. For we know that you call us here for a purpose, that you have given us glimpses of what you see the world to be and that we can make this world as you see it. God, indeed, uh, continue to pray for strength, continue to pray for guidance, continue to pray for wisdom and continue to pray for patience as we trot along our faith journey that we know that the light is always there at the end of the tunnel and that because you are here with us, that we have the strength to carry on. In Jesus' most precious name, we pray and give thanks. Amen. So for those on site, you would like to give by just dropping something into the collection bags. Can I just invite the stewards to come forward and you may just raise your hands. Thank you. And while the stewards are going around, we will come to the announcement. First is uh, Living Water and Lush 2022. All right, so you have heard uh, during the sharing about the Lutheran Church Reconciled in Christ uh, because FCC being the only open and inclusive church and we would like to tell every LGBTQIA Christians out there that you can indeed live a happy gay life uh, reconciled in your faith and sexuality. So if you are interested to join this uh, time-limited course, uh, please sign up at fcc.la/lw2022. Uh, this will be a time-limited session uh, for both uh, male and female separately in reconciling faith and sexuality. We'll be covering the six clobber passages in the Bible, but please note that this is not an answer-seeking course. It doesn't mean that you attend and then you can come out early like, hey, I accept myself and completely reconciled. But this is an opportunity for you to come and ask questions and seek answers for yourself, for your own uh, personal journey, but at the same time walking along with other people who have been reconciled and who also may be facing the same issues as you. So you may sign up at scc.la.lw2022 if you're interested to join this. Uh, lunch Kakis. Lunch Kakis has been restarted again since the... Uh, all the restrictions have been lifted. So you are invited. If you are new and you like to just have lunch with somebody from church, uh, there's Lunch Kakis, which is by the FCC Welcome Team. Somebody will just uh, have lunch with you, all right? If you're interested, today's Lunch Kakis are Chua, please raise your hands. And Angela, who is in the hive, please raise your hands. So if you want to find somebody to eat during lunch and have some conversations, you may uh, just wait towards uh, at, at the back uh, during the end of service to go and have lunch together. Ace, after church events. 
So again, as restrictions have been lifted, uh, FCC is going to run a few after-church events uh, to build a stronger community together. The first event will be next Sunday after lunch. Uh, it will be Painting of the Faith Rock. So just come as you are if you are interested to join. It will be after lunch on 26th of June. Then following which, in July and August, there will be two more events. One is the Making of the Prayer Rope. One is Making of Kimchi, Kim Jang Day. All right? Uh, you do not need to register at info at freecomchurch.org. If you are interested, please sign up at fcc.la forward slash ACE. fcc.la forward slash ACE. All right? So next Sunday after church, come and paint your faith rock. Next. Oh, it's communion already. So, okay, uh, let's just, for people online, again, just we may just prepare your elements to take part in the communion. But then for people on site, we'll just do something special later. So, we invite Julia and Kenneth up. Today's communion liturgy is adapted from Will Ed Green. We are people who come from many places, embodying many differences. Different races, different sexualities and identities, differing politics and theologies. All one people at one meal to discover and remember the truth of God's love, that our differences need not be something we simply tolerate, but blessings which we celebrate. The more difference we embody, the more fully we experience the presence of God in our midst. So come, children of God, just as you are. Wherever you've been and whatever wounds you bear today, you are welcome here, strength. In this place, among these people, at this meal, you are welcome here to encounter the love of God, which is our sustenance and strength. Friends, God is ever present with you. And let the people say, and also with you. And also, and also with, with you. you. Friends, God is ever present with you. Being, Being truly, truly ourselves, ourselves, we've we come, come together, together in, in this, this eternal moment. moment. Turn to the people around you and tell them this good news. The peace of Christ is with you always. The peace of Christ is always with you. Listen. The body breathes in and out. As close as breath, the holy is present with us. So we lift up our hearts, and the family says, we lift them up to God. We lift them up to God. 
The strength of our resistance comes from the regularity of our remembrance. And so, that we might resist, we remember that we, lesbian, gay, queer, and questioning, bisexual, trans, intersex, asexual, and heterosexual, that we are created in your image. That our breath is of the same breath that hovered over the waters at the Creator's birth. We remember that even as we abandoned you, you still remember us. Resisting demons of our own creation, self-hatred, ignorance, fear, you continue to seek us out even when we forgot who we are. We remember your son, Jesus, who put on flesh like us and taught us what it meant to be fully who you'd created us to be. He touched the untouchable, healed the incurable, and welcomed those who had given up hope of ever finding their place or tribe. Through him, we see a path not just toward our freedom and healing, but toward the liberation and healing of the whole world. Jesus taught us it is not the brutality or violence or in the rulings of law in special general conferences that the world will be saved. Rather, it will be in showing kindness to our neighbor, in standing up against evil and injustice, in returning hate with love, in transforming the world one heart at a time. It will be in the simple and holy task of dining together and in learning to see one another as beloved, just as you have seen us. We know this because on a night of both celebration and betrayal, Jesus took bread, left over on the table, blessed and broke it. He commanded those who love him to eat and to remember. Every time we broke bread after, that it is in the breaking we become whole, that in losing our lives we find them, in serving we are served. And likewise, after they've broken bread, Jesus took the cup. Lifted it and blessed it and commanded them to drink and to remember. His lifeblood poured out as living grace for them, for all who would receive it. And every time they drank after to remember that grace was poured out for all, all who would receive it. As the grain scattered becomes one loaf, when we eat this bread, we become one when with one another. A sharing in this bread is a sharing in the body of Christ. As the grape finds life in the vine, when we drink this cup, we become at one with the source of life itself. So this table recognizes no boundaries. Here at FCC, we celebrate an open table. This means that you do not have to meet any criteria. You do not have to be a member of FCC. You do not have to be baptized. 
You only need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. We invite those of you online to partake the elements after our communion prayer, and we will transition to the closing song on the live stream. Those who are present here, we invite you to come up as you are directed by the ushers to receive communion and approach one of the pastors for a prayer if you would like. After that, we invite you to return to your seats and continue to be in a prayerful silence until we are finished. Will you join us in this prayer of communion? And, and so we pray with boldness and in our need that you would come upon us, Holy Spirit, and on these gifts of bread and cup. Make of them the body of Christ, brought to life in our sharing, and blood of Christ to nourish us in the works of witness and justice to which we have been called. Make our hearts be open so that we may recognize that this table of love is the table of inclusion where all are invited and no one is turned away. We pray that we might learn to see each other and for all whom we meet as those whom you've named and claimed as your beloved. All this we ask in your name. Amen. May we put peace into each other's hands like bread we break for sharing. Look people warmly in the eye. Our life is meant for caring. As at communion, shape your hands into a waiting cradle. The gift of Christ, receive, revere, united around the table. So to those who are online, thank you for joining us this Pink Dot Sunday. Um, please partake of communion um, at your own time. And we will wrap up uh, with, a, uh, with the closing song um, on the live stream. Have a blessed week ahead. Yeah.
Draw the circle, draw the circle wide. Draw the circle, draw the circle wide. Draw the circle. 